so I have a biology degree, I have a public health degree. Um, now I think I want to do business. Do I have the skills to do it? Can I just start a business like that and will it be successful? So I wasn't sure. And I started seeing how, I started reading about an MBA and I was seeing how people, at the time MBA was such a buzzword. Like everyone, almost everyone was doing an MBA and they would have like great jobs and so I talked yeah. to one of my friends in Ministry of Health and I said, hmm, I wonder if people that are like in public health or biology can like do an MBA. I just kind of made a comment and he goes, oh, one of my good friends is a medical doctor. He just finished an MBA from INSEAD, which is like a really top school in France. And now he's working for an e-commerce company in Nigeria called Conga. And I was like, oh, can I talk with him? I'm really curious to know how someone that had a medical background made that switch to business. And right. so I talked to him and he was telling me about the GRE and studying for GRE, taking it, you know, to get an MBA. And he was like, oh, do you want to work in at Conga where I work? And I was just like, mm, no, I just want to study for my GMAT <laughs> first. Because I was just like, it was, I was kind of surprised. And I was just like, right. well, let me just study for GMAT and try and get into business school so I can get into the business space. And I remember studying for GMAT and I did the GMAT and my score was horrible. And I was like, oh, wow, this is not, this is not even funny. Um, so I was just like, so what do I do now? I've made so much noise to everyone. I'm studying for GMAT and now I did the GMAT and it wasn't good. And so I emailed that guy that I met and I said, you know what? I studied for GMAT. My score wasn't great. Um, are you guys still hiring? And he was just like, sure, no problem. You can always take GMAT again. And he was just like, let me put you in touch with somebody that's the hiring person. That's, and that's amazing. Yeah. And I met the person. I mean, to be fair, also, I, the owner of that company lived where I used to live in Lagos, like in the estate, but I didn't, I didn't go that route. I went through somebody, you know, but so the person that told me, the guy that told me that, Hey, I'm going to connect you with somebody that's hiring you. I said, okay, cool. And so I did see the owner sometime, maybe socially. I just let him know that FYI, just so you know, I've been talking to somebody in your company and they're going to interview me for a position just so you know. He goes, oh, okay. He's going to stay out of it. Doesn't want to be, doesn't want to be involved in it. Doesn't want any, you know, <laughs> favoritism or bias. I said, okay. Oh, cool. okay. So he just stood out of it. Um, and I did an interview and I got the job offer and um, I started working at Conga, which is like an online company. So you mean he wasn't like, oh my God, yeah, sure. Come on. I'll get you in when you told him. Who, the owner? The owner, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. He was very just like, no, I'm going to let that process happen. Thanks right. for telling me. Um, and even when I went for the interview in the office, he just like, yeah, <laughs> he was very, <laughs> very distant, which I appreciate because, you know, it, it, he was, yeah, the, I don't want to, it to be seen like, oh, I just got here because this guy you knew know this me guy. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool, yeah. but I mean, interesting. Yeah, so I started working for, it's an e-commerce company like Amazon here. Um, okay. I started working in, oh, I'm trying to remember now, the beauty beauty department. So like makeup, right. um, baby kids and toys. So a lot of sales analysis, like I would do a lot of 
data analysis on you know what's selling, what we need to restock, what are people buying, marketing. So I went in there thinking, you know, I wanted to start my own business sometime. So okay, I didn't get into, I didn't do well in GMAT and go to grad school for an MBA, but maybe I could learn in business and see what it's all about. So it was definitely a big shock to my system when I started because coming from public health, you know, want to save the world, government was kind of chill. These people were like, we need to make money. We need to make money. Like how many, how many units, how many units are being sold? You know, how, how are we going to replace it? You have to manage relationships with your vendors, with your suppliers, make sure that they are happy, make sure customers are happy. It was a lot, but it was a very young company. Everyone, I felt like one of the oldest people there and I was probably in my late twenties then. Yeah. Or yeah, I was, yeah. And I wow. felt like one of the oldest people there. Everybody was like, it was like being in college again in a strange way. Everybody was so young with like blue braids, like very funky um, environment <laughs> and fashion. Yeah. And, um, so anyway, it was very interesting times, interesting times there. Okay, nice. So you go into this company now, you, you decided that, first of all, you decided that you wanted to do fashion or you wanted to kind of start your own kind of maybe fashion house, shop, e-shop, something. Um, and so you, you, you decide to go the business route and end up with this company. How long were you with them? Um, I want to say almost two years again. I think I've done everything almost two years. <laughs> yeah, almost two years. Okay. What, what caused you to leave or what did you, what, what did you do after that? Um, I left for probably two main reasons. One, after a while, I mean, I felt like I want to do more. I was like, okay, we're just selling stuff here. <laughs> and I just felt like yeah. I missed having something that mattered in terms of making an impact in either someone's health. Right. It just kind of seemed a little bit trivial to me. I was making good money, probably the better, much better than what I was doing in public health. And with and government. Yeah. With government. And, you know, at the time, I kept in touch with the, with the um, NGO that had gone to different African countries to talk about tobacco control. And Sorry. So you've mentioned the word NGO several times. I have no oh. idea what that means. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Can you please okay. explain what that is? Sorry, NGO is no, non-governmental non organization. Okay. So it's it's like a charity. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. So they're. I, I mean, like maybe they'd be a not non-profit over here. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Profit. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay, so, so you I were mean, in touch with an with a with a with an NGO still. Yeah, the one that is, it's called Tobacco, Campaign for Tobacco Free Kids. They're based okay. in DC. The ones that, like, I would go to other African countries and do yeah. those workshops. So even while I was still working at the e-commerce company, I got an email saying, hey, we're going to Kenya. Do you want to come? And I was just like, yes. And I, I, I still went and I took, that was like my vacation time when I was still working yeah. with the e-commerce. I told my boss, look, I'm going to this thing. And it just kind of reignited the fact that I wanted to do more than just sell things. Um, and I wanted to have more of an impact in people's lives. So that was one reason. 
A second reason, the company was also changing. I mean, a lot of people had left, to be honest. Um, even the CEO, I think towards the end he was leaving. There were just some structural changes going on, a new direction. And the last thing was I had told my bosses that I wanted to take some time off and not pay, just some time off because I was going to take the GMAT again. And okay. I told them and they, were, they said, okay, that's cool. And then when the time came, they were like, no, you can't go, you can't go. And I was just kind of like, well, yeah. I'm done. Um, and I was also getting unhappy coming there. I remember driving to work and being unhappy and parking my car and just being like, oh, another day, you know, just like, oh. And, you know, my friends that had been there before had left, things were changing. It was a lot of stress because there was a lot of, because we needed to make more money too. Things were just like, we need to meet your target, meet your target. You know, there was a target and it was just getting harder and harder. And um, I was just like, I knew I had to leave because I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy anymore. And I remember my mom thinking, why is this girl leaving? Again, she's, making good money. I don't, people, she doesn't have a job yet. Most people have a job before they leave. Um, and I was just like, no, I'm, I'm just going to leave. <laughs> and um, luckily for me, I mean, I was staying in my parents' house in Nigeria. I wasn't paying bills like that. So I knew that in the back of my mind that I'll be okay and I'll be in my parents' house and I won't die and I won't be on the streets. I know not everybody has that luxury to do that. So I, I acknowledge, you know, the privilege I had to make that choice. Um, so, you know, I left, I studied for GMAT again, and my score was so horrible. <laughs> and I was just like, now what? Now I was just kind of really confused. I didn't really know what to do next. Um, and somebody was like, oh, maybe you can go back. And I was like, I'm not going back to that place. Mm -mm. Um, so... And now I said, you know what, well, let me try and make that vision come to life that I wanted to, where I said I wanted to sell African fashion. So okay. I, you know, I spent that time trying to learn more about some accessories, some fashion stuff, meeting with some fashion people, trying to make connections and see if I could actually just develop this idea in my mind into something tangible. So that's what I did um, next. Nice, nice, nice. And so you go into fashion, you, you're, you're in business, fashion. How do you come, because obviously now you're back here, stateside. What brought you back here? <laughs> yeah, so to be honest, what brought me back here is my husband. Um, okay. I, I met my husband actually through my brother. Um, that would be a different story, <laughs> but... <laughs> Um, he was working in the U.S. and I was living in Nigeria and we obviously had a long distance relationship. And then obviously when we got married, I knew that he wasn't, he was going to stay with, in America and do his work because he you know, was doing well in his career. And so I moved here back to America because my husband lives here really. And that's why I'm back here. <laughs> Shocking. Yay. <laughs> but you know it, it was it's interesting yeah okay so was your plan to stay in nigeria had it not been you know that you 
for your husband? Was your plan to stay in Nigeria? Um, to be honest, no. Um, because I remember thinking at that time, I was, I was actually looking at Canada because Canada had, to, had a more friendly immigration process um, unlike the US, where US you had to like be sponsored by a company to get the visa. Canada had like a merit-based thing. You do some exams, they look at your qualifications and then they could extend, you know, a permanent residency to you or something. So I was exploring that because at the time I'd gotten a little bit tired of being in Nigeria and just, yeah, just unsure of how stable things were okay um so you come back well we didn't really talk about kind of how the how the venture went as far as you trying to develop this vision uh, of the fashion and different african tr traditional cultural fashion uh how was that um i think it was a learning process for me. I don't think, I think I could have probably done more than I did. I made a few sales. I have, I still have a website somewhere. I need to probably shut it down for now, but um, <laughs> it was an experience. I, I don't know. I, I learned more about myself, about what motivates me. And for, I realized how hard it is to be an entrepreneur. Like you see people do it and you think, oh yeah, I can do it. And then see people on Instagram talking about entrepreneur life and how it's so awesome. And you're just like, yeah, you know, you feel it, I can do it. <laughs> and you re for me, I realized that it's a lot of self-motivation and you're very isolated and you just have to keep on pushing yourself every day to get up and get up and do this and i wasn't always motivated some days where i was some days i wasn't i realized that for me i definitely need external reinforcement maybe if i had a partner or someone who i was more accountable to i just learned that more about myself that i don't think i mean i can do stuff on my own for sure right. but i think it helps me much better if i have external reinforcement or a partner or just someone that helps me keep me keeps me accountable. Right. Um, but I mean, I, I still learned stuff. Um, I made a few sales. I developed some new skills. I wrote a blog. You know, I made connections with people. So it's all it's all a journey. You know, yeah, and learning. And, yeah. And, and I feel like in the future, I might still resurrect that idea. Like it's not shut down forever. It's you know, right. you never know what happens. Right, right. No, that's awesome. That is awesome. I, I, um, I can relate to the whole external reinforcement thing. Um, definitely. I tr in the last few in the last few months, you know, as 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 uh, in addition to you know starting my podcast, you know, there were a couple of other different things that I started doing, mm -hmm. and yeah you i need that as well <laughs> so yeah yeah um but but no that's awesome that's awesome uh so you're and obviously because i know you i know that now you're kind of back full circle you know um into public health so why don't uh let, let, let's talk about either how you got in there or you know from when you you know moved back you know to be 
here with your husband? Where did you go or what happened? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, after the whole business venture thing, you know, I knew I still had a passion for health and here, public health. I still wanted to make an impact. It was still there. And I had made connections with people, a lady in Nigeria who was starting an NGO that was focused on non-communicable diseases, which was an area I was interested in. I actually met her in my church. And so I just used to email her and just keep in touch with her and help her as she develops this idea and encouraging her. And when I came to the US, I mean, I knew she was trying to like raise money for the end for that not profit, not for profit. <laughs> and um, I came to the US and I reached out to my classmates from Emory, my public health friends. A lot of some of many of them still stayed in public health. And I said, Hi guys, does anyone know how I can raise money for an NGO that wants to help kids affected by non-communicable non diseases? And then one of my friends reached out, replied and said, Hey, I'm currently doing my PhD at in public health at, at the University of South Carolina. And there's a professor here who I think might be a good fit for you to talk to about this. And so he, she connected me to that professor. And I remember it was around Thanksgiving in 2018. I remember around Thanksgiving because he was like, hey, okay, thanks for the email. Um, are you applying to our PhD program? And I was, or not. If, and I was like, no, I'm not. He goes, okay, then we can talk after Thanksgiving. I remember because he was saying before any, or something like that. So we spoke early December and he was just telling me about his work. At the end of the day, he didn't really have anything for me in terms of what I was looking for for the fundraising thing. Um, but we had a good conversation and I thought it was a nice, he was a nice person. And I got off the phone and I went to read up more about the PhD program, read up more about his work. Because from talking to him, I was just like, oh my God, this guy has done work in tobacco. And I just found some common interests. And then I sent him an email. I was like, actually, I do want to apply to the PhD program. However, I know your deadline is in like, two weeks and my GRE has expired. I think GRE lasts only five years or four years. And I was just like, well, um, so I guess I've missed the deadline. And he was just like, well, we can extend the deadline. Don't worry about it. And I was just like, whoa, I didn't even know that could happen. I mean, you wow. see all these yeah. things on the website, you think it's so official. Yeah. But once until you contact somebody, you know, he was just like, you know what? You can still apply. Um, just try and do the GRE. When do, you think, when do you think you can do the GRE? And this was December. And I was just like, maybe, he said, he, I think he gave me an email saying that the latest time I can get my GRE to them is by February or something like that. So I was like, okay, I'll do it. And I just went on a hardcore GRE study plan. My husband was very instrumental in helping me like create my study plan because I was really nervous about taking GRE. Any standardized exam, I'm always like, ah, GMAT, I didn't do well in GMAT. I was say I did okay for GRE for my, you know, MPH, but I was a bit nervous about the math and how you have limited time to answer all this stuff. But my husband really was um, a big cheerleader and really supportive and really like, no, you can do this. Math is not that hard. Like, and he's, he's better than me in math. And so I would ask him questions and um, I took the GRE. I saw my score. I was happy with it. And I sent it to the school and they were just like, yeah, I got admitted into the program. And nice. so I, yeah, I started 2019. That was just last year. I just started. 
and we moved we moved to South Carolina um, and I came to visit the school prior and everyone was so nice my advisor he's now my advisor um, very nice person he's done a lot of work in Latin America on tobacco control and he's been very supportive of my interest in Africa and you know connecting me with the right people because he doesn't do a lot of work in Africa but he knows people who have done some work so yeah, so now I'm a second year PhD student and it's, it's just crazy for me to, to think about sometimes how I, I got here and, you know, I'm progressing in the program and it's, yeah, it's, it's been exciting. It's been emotional roller coaster, I would say, but it's still been exciting. That's awesome. Wow. PhD, public Loading. health. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That is amazing. So there's a couple of other questions that I have about that right now. You're, you have an MPH. Now you're about to have a PhD in public health. And obviously it's 2020. (laughs) Yeah. If ever we needed public health, (laughs) it's not. But I do understand that you don't, I mean, your interests are more non-communicable. <laughs> yeah. COVID is definitely communicable. Yeah. Uh, but no, that, I mean, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you see kind of the, you know, um, your field kind of being more impactful and being more recognized now, you know, just in general with, with this huge, I mean, this pandemic that war is worldwide that everyone is now dealing with and having to, to brace for. Yeah, it's, it's been an amazing time. Sadly, I mean, sadly that we're sad that we're having this pandemic for sure, but I think definitely public health has risen to more people's consciousness. People now know the words like epidemiologists, like, because you hear it on the news, and you hear about public health is definitely giving more visibility to the field. Um, And people are kind of understanding, people are kind of understanding more about the importance of public health. And I think it even highlights, even prior to COVID, because COVID situation is actually like worsening or it's kind of shedding light on some of the public health issues that are already present. So for example, you know that people with diabetes or some chronic diseases are more vulnerable to COVID or a high risk. Exactly. And then so you can peel back, peel back that layer and think, why are these people having diabetes? Why are they having these chronic diseases? Is it, you know, so public health comes into play. You can think about that in terms of what are they eating? the environments that they live in should we be making you know fresh vegetables more affordable more accessible in places where you know there are these regions where there are no grocery stores for example there are more fast food so and also you can also see how they talk about how black people have been negatively affected by covid in terms of the numbers and you know other minorities and so you kind of think why is that what in our public health, what, what in the environment can we do to try and reduce those disparities? Um, I could go on and on. It's a very passionate topic of mine, but you know, it's, 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 for me, it's been very enlightening 
and right. also I'm able to link the things I'm learning in my classes about health disparities, um, history, what con contributes to people's current state, what has happened in history in the U.S. that has made some groups of people less um, have less access to good healthcare, good education, and how right. all those things tie into the health outcomes. So anyway, it's a very interesting time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, I'm a pharmacist. And um, from that perspective, the non-communicable diseases, you know, your what we call your chronic diseases, um, diabetes, um, high blood pressure, you know, um, high cholesterol, X, Y, and Z. These are the things that these are these are some of the diseases that mil, you know millions and millions of people have, um, and that leads you know they're you know the leading causes of death. You know, um, heart disease, blah 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 blah. And so, yeah, it's not necessarily your communicable diseases. It's not your rare. You know, it's not Zika. It's not you know, uh, well, Ebola, right. <laughs> it's not Ebola. It's not HIV anymore. It's not X, Y, and Z, but you know, you have these chronic diseases that you can, you, you have to address by lifestyle changes. You have to address, you know, um, initially, you know, uh, one of the best ways, you know, is by lifestyle changes, you know, talking about diet, exercise. Um, and then you can start introducing, you know, uh, therapy, you know, whether it's, you know, you know, medication, this or that. And mm -hmm. you, we know that those are just across the board uh, diseases that affect, you know, I'll throw out a number, 70 million Americans, <laughs> blah, 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 you know, like, um, and if you're able to get that under control, you know, you, you'll have a healthier population base, you'll have people living longer, you know, uh, being, you know, healthier, uh, X, Y, and Z. And, you know, so yeah, definitely it's, it's very important. Those are, those are some of the core things that, you know, if you can get those under control and even now, as we see with COVID, you know, if you, if you, you know, those things are high risk, they, they, they leave people more susceptible to, you know, adverse, uh, outcomes if they contract COVID mm -hmm. and things like that. But, you know, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, that I'll, that's... yeah I was going to add one thing just to say like public health, you know, we're trying to prevent it as well. Like it's not only trying to keep it under control. We're trying to like, how do we modify people's behavior so they don't even get to having diabetes, so they don't even get to have yeah. hypertension. Yeah. So I'm a big believer in that prevention part. And so that's why I like public health. I just wanted to add that. That's awesome. That is, that is amazing. Uh, but yeah, what a time to be uh, in public health. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, do you, do you see yourself becoming, um, I don't know what, what I guess I can probably guess you, you probably want to go into some type of non-communicable, you know, aspect of it. But I was going to say, what, what do you want to do with that? Do you want to become an epidemiologist? Do you want to become, you know, uh, yeah. So, you know, it changes 
quite often what I want to do. I feel like I'm still, <laughs> I'm still learning. Like when I came yeah. in initially, I was just like, I don't want to be in academia. Like I was just like, no, I don't want to be a professor. I want to get this education and I want to be out there in the field. I want to be working for a global health organization, doing research that contributes, you know, direct impact or maybe helps to inform governments on like their policies. Like everybody, like that's been my, my, my spill when I go, when I started and I was just saying how, you know, I don't see myself as an academic. And, but it's funny because lately I've just been like, maybe I don't mind being a professor. Like I was open to, <laughs> I was open to teaching, you know, once in a while, while I do this, you know, work in a global health organization. But I, I like talking. I like engaging with people. I like sharing ideas. So, you know, sometimes you could do that in a school and university with students and sharing, yeah. you know, discussing articles and I think I find those parts of my classes very interesting um so I I don't know where where my path goes from here I just know that I definitely have an interest in global and I, I definitely want to make sure that my work is impactful globally um my advisor does work in tobacco and nutrition which are the things I'm interested in policy um so that those are the areas kind of I'm in but um, I'm still figuring it out and taking it nice. one day at a time, really. Nice, nice, nice. Awesome. Uh, best of, best of luck with that. And, uh, you've got your second year, two years in now. And so another two years about, right? Ex yeah, Roughly. exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, best of luck with that. And, uh, definitely so proud of, of you doing great, great things still out here. Um, <laughs> One one last thing before we before we wrap up. I know we've we've spent some time already. You also have, and just started a podcast. You know, and you've kind of uh, put yourself uh, as well as uh, you have a couple of other you know friends that you do it with. Um, and I know we've talked about that. We've talked about some of the ideas that you have. Uh, you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah. So. My friends, I met these friends, Christiana and Charity, my first year in the PhD program. We, both, we all started at the same time, we're in the same cohort. And we just naturally gravitated towards each other. And we, had, we have a great friendship and we, we, um, we found ourselves to be good support for each other during the program because it can be very stressful and emotionally and emotional and draining and ups and downs. And we just thought, I, you know, it would be great to share our experiences as black women in public health, in a PhD program, in academia with others. And we are from different, like I'm Nigerian, the other lady is from Ghana, but she grew up here. And then there's an African-American lady. So we have different backgrounds in terms of where we come from and our culture, but we are united in blackness and we're united in our experience in the PhD right. program. So we started this podcast to just really not only share our thoughts about what we go through during the program, during the PhD program, but also to share things that happen in regular life, what we think, yeah. and just like, it's a fun outlet for us as well. So it's not only like, oh, only for PhD listeners, uh, PhD students, it's for anyone just yeah. wants to hear like, you know, three ladies talking about different topics. Um, yeah, so it's, um, it's Blackgrounds, it's called Blackgrounds, I'm quite excited about it. We just did an episode about the latest election results and talking about black women in black women yeah. in power 
And so, yeah, um, yeah it's, it's pretty interesting. I have other ideas that I've also kind of been thinking about and also I don't want to overstretch myself, but, you know, sometimes I, I just have all this little like passion to want to, you know, increase awareness on some other public health issues or also trying to like increase unity among black people of different backgrounds, Africans, African-Americans, Jamaicans. Uh, I'm really passionate about promoting the awesomeness that is um, black people and black culture and yeah. trying to just foster unity. So I'm trying to think, find out ways to engage and promote that as well. Nice, 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 nice. Uh, all good stuff. Um, sounds like you're keeping busy, but yet still finding time to, you know, really, you know, connect with others and, you know, have a, have a bit of fun and, you know, put, put some ideas out there. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I think it's been a really great discussion and uh, we've been able to kind of see your journey so far, you know, uh, which has been very uh very unique you know uh you've worked in like what like four different countries you know here the who in geneva france nigeria back here like um you have you have that you know um that i can't say not not a lot of people can say that they've worked in four different countries you've kind of gone in and out of different, you know, kind of fields, business, fashion, have doing your own thing. Um, and now you're, you're back into kind of, you know, something that you're really passionate about. Well, another thing that you're, you know, you're kind of first love type of thing. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. That's awesome. I think you, you definitely have a, an amazing journey and I can't wait to, <laughs> you know, hear, you know, down the line, you know, what, what, how, how that continues to unfold. Uh, oh. So yeah, but, but no, yeah, no, thank you for, for, for definitely coming on and sharing and yeah, definitely uh, shedding, you know, uh, giving us some, some insight into, into how you got here and some of the things you learned along the way. And um, definitely think it's been, it's been a great, great discussion and uh, very unique. Very unique. Now you're in a PhD program and doing great things. So, and thank you for inviting me. I mean, it's not you know you have, probably have a choice of different people to invite. So I do appreciate you, you know, considering my story worthy or interesting <laughs> no, to no, share, no, you were... or at least uh, inviting me. It was it was a pleasure, and definitely it's been also nice for me to reflect on my journey and to share and just to. Also, sometimes just be grateful for some of the things that you have experienced because oftentimes, sometimes you may not be where you want to be, but you, you know, you don't appreciate where you have been. Where you have, where important. you've come from. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, it's, it's been nice to reflect on that. So thank you. No, that's, that's awesome. No, thank you so much. Um, and um, yeah, any, well, I guess that's probably the, the close, the, the, what you want to leave our audience with is, you know, just being able to reflect on and being thankful for where you've come from, where you are now, even if you may not be exactly where you would have thought, but yeah, mm -hmm. and just keep pushing. Right? Exactly. Perfect. Pushing. Awesome. Well, 
this has been a, another episode of uh, Highlighting Greatness with Visaya. Um, we've had Busala on the podcast, um, and we will see you all next time. Thank you so much.